0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 926 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday, and today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. I'll be joined by the friend of the podcast, Tyler Jones, momentarily for a two-part check-in on all things Hawks and some Eastern Conference stuff, etc. But first, the Hawks issued a update on DeAndre Hunter on Sunday that was not exactly ideal, so we'll start there on the podcast for a refresher. Hunter suffered a right knee, right knee injury on Friday, January 29th, and after the MRI that he had um, revealed articular wear and tear in the right knee the uh, second year forward, underwent a non-surgical procedure you know, a week-plus ago. Now, from there, he was absent for the last four games, but on Sunday, the Hawks announced that he will be, he's going to be undergoing a lateral meniscus arthroscopic debridement, or debridement, I'm not sure how to say that, honestly, procedure on Monday at the Emory Orthopedics and Spine Center in Atlanta. That will be performed by the team's orthopedist on Monday. And uh, at this point in time, there is no definitive timetable for his recovery. The Hawks are expected to provide an update, though, on the recovery of Hunter in approximately two weeks following the surgery, which is going to be, again, happening on Monday. So I'm taking that to mean he'll be out for at least two weeks. There's been lots of Google searching happening uh, in my timeline that I've seen from the fan base about timetables, I'm not going to try to guess how long he's going to be out, but I will say the minimum seems to be two weeks, and I will, I will expect longer than that, because reevaluation does not mean return. In fact, it hardly ever does. And this is not exactly ideal. Now, it's not the worst news in the world. If you read about this procedure, I'm not an expert by any means, but it's not like season ending. It's not, you know, long, long term. Uh, it can be fixed, all that stuff. So that Again, it could be worse, but not good news necessarily for the Hawks here. Um, Hunter has been awesome this season, averaging about 17 points a game on great efficiency. Um, Basically just having a full-blown breakout this year. And in his absence, the Hawks are worse. There's no question about that. The Hawks have been really shorthanded all season long for various injuries between Gallinari and Bogdanovich and Chris Dunn. Hunter now. um, I will say this, it puts a lot of pressure on Cam Reddish in a lot of ways because Reddish is the only guy who can approximate defensively. What Hunter can do in a lot of ways, and I presume he'll be continuing to start at least until McDonough, which is maybe back. Uh, you'll see Reddish in the starting lineup, and they kind of need him obviously to defend. He's been starting three of the last few games with Hunter on the shelf, and offensively they need more out of him. I'll talk. We'll talk about him with Tyler momentarily, but they need him in a big way. So that's a uh, obviously an important, important time for Cam on top of on top of everything else. And from there, it's more pressure on guys like Gallinari and Tony Snell, even. Gallinari offensively, I don't know, it's not the same position as Hunter, but he's going to be playing more and that will allow them to kind of play Solomon Hill at the three a little bit more for some depth there if Gallinari can give them some minutes, their quality on offense especially, and just overall helping the offense because Hunter was a huge boon to the offense this season when he was playing the way that he was playing. And then Tony Snell for just kind of three and D depth. He's been adding some of that um, some of that depth for the Hawks already, but he's a guy they can throw out there and get some minutes from. Not going to be flashy, he'll shoot the ball, play a little defense and he will definitely help them, but Obviously, he's not DeAndre Hunter. That's worth saying over and over again. So, as you'll hear when I talk to Tyler in a second, we recorded midday on Sunday, so we talked about Hunter and the injury, but well before the news actually broke. So we did not know. Again, we did not know the injury update when we were talking. I had a feeling, and you kind of hear us talk talk around it that um, we could have an update in the next day or two on Hunter because there's been there have been some talk about that Pierce kind of. I would say through to that a little bit on Sun on Saturday night, I should say after the game with regard to Hunter, but I was say the conversation is still relevant. Nothing that has to be like ignored that Tyler and I talk about, but now you'll know that the injury is more, a little bit long-term for Hunter. Unfortunately a couple weeks, at least that he's going to be out of the lineup and the Hawks are obviously worse without him. So we'll have plenty of more talk. On the show in the coming days, the Hawks don't play again until Wednesday, which is important to point out. Part of the reason why I have Tyler on to do a two-part deep dive here is to have one come out on Monday and then one on Tuesday, bridging the gap between um, the Hawks-off period from Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. But plenty more to come, and uh, hopefully that's a good primer on where we are at this point in time. Okay, before we get to Tyler and Part 1, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Blue Nile. Now, you may have read about it in New York Times, InStyle Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available right now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people, and with 1010, it's been beautifully re envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. It's been a while. But it was time to catch up with this person, and I am joined by Tyler Jones, good friend of the program. How are you, sir?
1: I'm good. Uh, just to let you know and the listeners know, today, February 7th is actually my birthday. Wow! And so I am celebrating it by doing a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> a Happy pleasure. birthday to me! Yes,
0: um, happy birthday! I had no idea. Uh, even though we were, we were talking before this, and I still didn't know. So there you go. Now we yeah, know. Yeah, say
1: I I saved it for I saved it for the intro. So I wanted I wanted your Honest response instead of you know, you get to measure yourself and say something nice <laughs> or whatever. But uh, this is better.
0: Yeah, happy birthday, my man. Uh, we we are recording this actually in a weird time for this podcast. It's Sunday morning slash midday. The Super Bowl is later, so that's tough for me to try to record in my normal time slot. So
1: you and, and more I, importantly, more importantly, Manchester City plays Liverpool right this very second, which is more important to me than Super Bowl. I believe you. Because as I've said, I believe I've said this on this podcast, I do not care about the NFL uh, or football anymore Um, since 2018. Was that – was 2018 28-3, Brad? I can't – you know, my –
0: no, but she that's okay. Like... It's fine. You just give up. It was uh, it was technically in 2017 because it was February. It was actually 2016 season, 2017 Super Bowl. Uh, it Let's not yeah. talk about that. Let's have a positive start to the podcast. Other than that, it's your birthday. We're gonna talk about the Hawks. This is gonna be a two parter, so everybody knows. So once you listen to this one, go flip over to part two, which will be out probably the next day as you're listening to this. But uh, plenty to get to. Uh, I guess we'll start with some broad Hawks stuff. They just finished 1-3 and three on a homestand. They got the win on Saturday night. It was a pretty fun game, all things considered. Uh, they're 11-12 and 12 now. They're the 6th seed at this very moment when we're recording, so even uh, even with a sub-500 record, they're the 6th seed, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I guess I'll start with this. How you feeling at the moment about the Hawks? Because there's been a lot of uh, takes on all sides, and I want to know how you feel right now.
1: Um, well, you know, other than the the usual that they need to fire the coach right Come
0: other than on that come on what if, we're doing this now okay wait, we can we can do this now listen i I have been painted as like the Almighty Lloyd Pierce Defender, which is not really what I'm trying to do. it's just that I really think that it's been out of control on on the Twitter machine uh, and last night it was awful quiet when they got a ten point win and he coached a heck of a game, I thought, but um. I think you're kidding, but you can explain whether you're not or not.
1: Oh yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> being facetious here. Uh, you know, coach staff is 0 12 though on the season. They they gotta pick it up. I love Matt. I
0: love I love that tweet. I'm sorry that I keep doing that. It it is just it makes me laugh every time I do it, so I have to I'm gonna keep doing it
1: for a while. But it is true, like it feels like every game is a referendum on Lloyd Pierce as a coach, which I don't understand. Um I don't know. I I guess like people I mean, we're arguing a strong man here because, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. But, like, it is important to note the team hasn't been healthy. They're missing three rotation players at the moment now. Uh, and plus, they've had guys in and out, you know, more or less every game this season. Um, they have like they just haven't had the full complexion of guys. And that matters, especially with DeAndre Hunter being out. That's clearly hurt them a lot on both ends of the floor, and it's just going to be a—it's just going to be tough, uh, you know, missing three three wings really, and one of them being Hunter, who was probably in the running for Most Improved Player of the Year, considering how well he's been playing. So, hopefully, we hear some good news about this knee. About his knee, but I'm not optimistic because why be optimistic when if th- that's just setting your expectations high when you can set them low and be like, well, he's going to miss the entire season through to some <laughs> random knee injury, and then when it's not that bad, you can be happy. So like that's that that's my that's my outlook on the season overall. I feel like the Hawks playing pretty well, not too much to complain about other than that stretch where Trey Young forgot how to play basketball. Uh, they've been pretty good. Yeah. I mean
0: once that once he settled in he had that, like, like a week and a half two weeks where he really struggled by his standards and and that kind of coincided with the Hawks one worst stretch of the season which is not a not a coincidence
1: <laughs> and to and, but to be fair to him and also to Cam Reddish to to a bit of a degree like they're all adjusting to the fact that they're not playing five out uh this year clearly um this is the first time probably in Trey Young's career they're not doing that where they're just they're playing exclusively with a uh, a pick and dive big man and uh, Clint Capella, and the spacing on a lot of their sets just aren't there, and they're, they've had to change a lot of stuff that, that they like to do. You know, I mean, the biggest one being they're not running as much John Collins Trey Young pick and roll. Uh, it's been more of the pick and pop variety, and you know, while Collins is good at that, you know, he's he was probably the best role man in the NBA the last couple of years, and now like. That part of the offense has basically been locked until uh until Gallo uh can play more more minutes. So it's been a it's been an adjustment on a lot of fronts for a lot of players and I and I feel like they've adjusted on the whole fairly well.
0: Yeah, I think that if you look at the numbers and we'll go into a little bit of this stuff as we go in here, but the Hawks have been very, very good with their starters with Clint on the court, with Clinton John on the court, but a lot of that's defensively. So the offensive numbers, especially with the two bigs, are not particularly awesome. They're not terrible either. But to your point about the spacing, Capella has not been his normal self on offense. It's kind of funny. He's gotten a lot of attention, and rightly so, defensively, Ooh. for what
1: he's been doing. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to start the Capella right now. If he, Brad, every time he misses a point-blank layup, <laughs> I feel like... I go blind in in one of my eyes. Like he was I, he was better
0: last night. Listen, Saturday night I think was he? he? I, I think he shot ten of thirteen from the floor on Saturday night. It wasn't like it was bad. I know
1: he missed one, like, but he but the ones he missed hurt so much because you know what happens when he misses a layup, Brad? He doesn't get back on defense, and if he does because you know Capella's not running. I mean, he's I guess he's in better shape, but like. He's mostly back, even, but yeah. not, right, not all Even last night, that first quarter, like it's so easy to spot when he's tired because like he just starts slowly jogging up the floor. And it's like, what the H, bro? You don't <laughs> it's not like like they got John calls out there doing like figure eights on offense running eight different Giving everybody eight different screens, and then Hus being the first one back on defense, and I gotta watch Clint Capella drag himself up and down the floor, but get all the credit. I'm like, man, what the actual? Yeah, bro, it's... can 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 it come on with this? Because like he, this is this is what's happening offense. He's getting in position to score. He's not converting easy looks. He can't make any contested layup. Like, he's getting his stuff blocked for some reason. He's not jumping as high as he used to. I don't know what's what's up with that. Uh, he's not running the floor like he did in Houston. Like, it's just I, I have a lot of issues with Capella on offense. And, like, he's possibly the worst passing big man in the NBA. Yeah, that's, can't that's a weakness for he sure. He can't do it. He, like, if he cannot complete a basic pass at all. And it's like, it's just an automatic turnover when he tries. So, it's like But all that aside, you know, he's playing borderline defensive player of the year uh, defense on, you know, caliber defense, so it's fine. Right. You know, I live with the offensive – you can live with how bad he has been on offense, but he's been really bad. And, like, last time I checked, his true shooting was around 56%.
0: Well, yeah, I was was about to say this, actually, because the last four seasons in Houston – you know, Capella's a bad free throw shooter, which is always going to hurt his true shooting, but the last four seasons in Houston, he shot 64.5% from the floor, which is obviously elite. That's very, very good, and because a lot of that's because he's taken pretty easy shots overall. But, 65% from the floor, 65% from the floor. This year, it's 55%, so that's 10% lower, and no one notices because 55% is still good for most people in the league, but 10% lower on shooting is a huge drop, so... You could assume he's going to get a little bit better. You would imagine with his finishing, but now it hurts some, him. Some
1: of it, some of it is him uh, padding his rebounder numbers by tapping it off the glass. Uh, very much so. He has which, some of that for sure. And by the way, he's doing it. He's being cute with that sometimes, and sometimes it works. Um, but like a lot of the times, he could just you know get two hands on the basketball, and grab it and then kick it out to somebody. But
0: I think right now he's le- uh, yeah, he's leading the league right now in offensive rebound percentage. I think he's second in offensive rebounds uh in raw terms and he's leading the league in rebounds overall. And a lot of, a lot less defensive too like so just so we're clear, I know you just said it, but I'll say it again too. His defense has been quite good. It's making a huge impact and that's really what you need more than anything. But his offense does kind of hurt the Hawks when he's not finishing at a high level because it doesn't do anything else. Like, he's not a good passer, like you said. He has more turnovers than assists in his career. This is not a good passer. He can't space the floor. He's in the dunker spot at all times, once he's, he's in a pick-and-roll action. So you knew that. We knew that going in, that he was going to be a change to the offense. But that is a big part of it. I mean, as well as he's playing, and he is making an overall positive impact, he's obviously been really good defensively, but as well as he's playing in some other ways, he does hurt the offense right now. It doesn't have to be that way all the time, but the spacing, like you said, has not been very good. And when he's on the court this year, the offense is worse. That is worse. I mean, saying.
1: The, the, the vertical gravity that he's offering is worse. Like, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be, uh, considering what it was at Houston. Like, I got, I, I, mean, got, like I guess like the I question before, is, he's like, not, is he's it. Not, he's not getting. He's not. Get, like, he's just not jumping as high. And, like, he also has to load up now. Um, to catch some of these lobs like it's just different right yeah the question the question is like is, to, is it he's over he's or is it with, yeah he's trying to finish with his length which he has um uh, but the reason why he was he's one of the best finishers in the nba is because he could jump over people and then finish but now it's kind of like a it, it reminds me a lot of what deandre jordan did uh at the midpoint of his career uh where he could no longer out jump dudes and instead he's like doing these little flips with with uh, the left hand or whatever to get, you know, to catch the defender off guard. But I don't know. It's not the same. Uh, It needs to be better. Like if the Hawks want to, you know, do anything in the playoffs, he can't be this bad offensively or like it's just they're, they're going to just not play him.
0: Um, well, and that's the that's the decision they have to make so far. I think he probably will get better, like I said. And I guess the question is, he's 26 years old. It's possible that he's just not as explosive as he used to be overall. But there's also the question of he didn't play basketball for so long. Maybe it's just going to come back. And the pairing of him and Collins gets a lot of attention, but they've been really good with it. Again, that's all defense for the most part. They actually have about a 109 offensive rating with those guys on the court together, um, which is not terrible, but not very good. But they have a sub-100 defensive rating. So... um Playing two bigs usually helps in the modern NBA defensively. And then with the way Collins is playing defense, the way Capella's playing defense, they've been very, very good defensively. So you'll take it overall.
1: I mean, but but Brad, it's not a it, – it's not just a C- Collins-Capella. Like, I don't like how we frame it that way, where it's like, well, we're playing two bigs as if John Collins doesn't score from anywhere on the floor. Oh, like, yeah. The I, problem I, is, I, I mean defensively. The problem, the problem is Capella – and everybody. Like, he's just in the way of everyone. Let's be clear. And the reason why it worked with the starters, particularly with uh, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins, is because both of those guys can make shots in the mid-range
0: Yep.
1: Uh, at a high clip. Um, and so with DeAndre Hunter out, like, it's been very noticeable that the offense has gotten a lot worse uh, because outside of you know, Trey Young's float starting to come back, but outside of Trey Young and, you know, John Collins just doesn't miss shots. Like, it. it's just a struggle <laughs> with Capella on the floor. Let's. Uh... He, he's bricking layups, <laughs> mishandling passes, like, just making me angry. Like, that's the worst thing. I've noticed he's that. He's making me angry. Right I've, no- now. I've noticed that on, on an uneasy basis. Playing, and he's playing incredible defense. Like, he absolutely is, but it's like hard to notice. <laughs> Cause when he messes up, I get, I get super angry because it's right. He has the, like, I'm sorry. He doesn't have that hard of a job. Like, it's not like, it's offense. not like they, they got that man doing, uh, you know, running Jokic sets for him. Like where he's got to dictate the terms of what, what they're going to do on offense. Like he just got to stand around. I also think that he, finish.
0: I have a question for you. I am wondering this out loud. lots the people this, but I'll ask you. It feels like to me that he's also a little bit um trying to cook on offense more than he has absolutely, in
1: the past. Absolutely. Oh my god. Like Brad, there's been spent some some weird post-up play which I don't really want to see. This is obvious. This okay. is obvious to me. Just making sure. Um which is why I, I'm I get mad. Especially with the the rebound stealing he's doing. Like I I'm like and then I remember, like he does have something in his contract where if he averages X percent as a rebounds, it's like I'm pretty sure it's still in there. Um, I mean, I'm sure it is, unless they just
0: purposely took it out. He he had some incentives yeah. in his deal from Houston that yeah, are still in yeah. there. So
1: imagine. like
0: you know, I mean, he, he listen, this on. is not anything new. And by the way, uh, this is a very common thing that the big men do. They 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 get rebounds if it's if it's all if it's all going to be close.
1: John Collins don't do it.
0: Well, he maybe he should we we,
1: we gonna we gonna talk about we're gonna talk about how John Collins sacrificing his numbers for the I, betterment
0: of the team. I was about to ask you about John but Collins to so no this. No, now. hold up. Yeah. My
1: fault, Brad. My no, you're fault, good. Brad. You're good. What's how it. Let's do it. dare? How dare John Collins criticize Trey Young in a film session?
0: Once in a film session, yes. How dare he, Brad?
1: How dare he call out Trey Young? What what gives him the right <laughs> to call out Trey Young in film regarding fourth quarter collapses when they were up 15 points back-to-back games or something. I don't remember. It's been such a long time. It felt like that piece was two years ago, but I needed to bring it back because it was
0: like four weeks ago now. It wasn't that long ago, but yes, I'm with
1: you, John. I mean, okay. I I mean that that that. I mean that. I don't know what the deal with that piece was because, like, well, you are the okay. it It was eight games into the season. And it's like what? What are we doing here?
0: It, you are the you are the leading John Collins enthusiast on this podcast.
1: I mean, I guess I'm apparently the only one who thinks he's really good at basketball. Well,
0: I know? say that all the time. He's no, I, I say no, he's quite good at basketball Brad, all the time. No, I do. No. I'm not as no. high as you. But... I'm the only one. Only one, Brad. Listen, only one. That's not true, but it's okay. I'll, I'll let you have it. Um, but let's talk about John for a second because obviously the numbers are not what they were counting stat wise, but efficiency is still incredible. And then I've been yelling this for a while. His defense has been good. Like, not even, like, no qualifier needed, good. And that's a huge step forward for him in the last year and a half. It's been even better this year. I'll say that. That's my piece for now. I'll get out of your way now. Uh, What have you seen from John? Because uh, I think nationally people are like, oh, Collins is down to 17 and 8 per game. What's going on? But he's actually just been really good for the most part.
1: I don't know. Uh, He's been about the same player I thought he was. Um, He's not getting those, like I say, he's not getting those easy pick and roll options because Capella's in the way. So, again, but, you know, he's not complaining about that. Uh, And he's not complaining about his uses going down even though if the Hawks want to be better, it probably needs to go up. Uh, But, you know, he's been good. Like, this. Not much to say. Uh, I think the uh, Hawks management messed up trying to squeeze him uh, because now they're going to have to pay him because, I mean, it's just, I mean, what's there to say? Like he had, he, like he doesn't have bad games and like, that's so important during a long NBA season. Like, and I feel like it got discounted because people looked at his flaws, I guess. They assumed he was a center. Um, even though he only played it because either through injuries or he was the best option at center. But now that they have a, they have two better options defensively, uh, in Capella and like John can do what he does best on defense, which is just be an athlete, fly around and like, I think he's done a really good job of playing help defense overall. Like, uh, particularly, um, If you go rewatch the Lakers game, he was doing a lot off the ball as well as guarding Anthony Davis to really close out uh, driving lanes and stuff like that. And so, like, he's just I mean, he's just gotten smarter. And. Like, I I do think it's important to note, like the, the leader of the basketball team, like, I feel like he is the emotional leader on the basketball team. I don't know if that means anything or not, but like.
0: Well, he's the energy leader. I mean, that's the. I mean, it's always it's different categories. So you have the vocal. Vets. But like when, but
1: but he's the one. But he's the one, Brad, who's always who I feel like I wish the other guys had the same ma- mindset of next play.
0: Well, that's what I mean. He just he he brings the energy all the time. His motor runs hot. He always has that like. I mean, I'm not even sure what the other word is other than energy. Like maybe juice, whatever you want to say. Like he always plays hard. He is always kind of like, you know, jovial getting guys fired up and then playing hard and backing it up. He's not the vocal leader. That's guys like Solomon Hill, who's like super loud. And I know they love Rondo. We can talk about Rondo later on. Um, and then Trey is the leader by default because Trey is the guy on the team. But John is just the, he, he just plays hard. And it's something I've been talking about forever with Collins is that he just plays hard all the time. They'll be They'll be up 30. He'll be in there flying around like, sacrificing his body. and like, John relaxed. You're up 30. He doesn't know how he has one speed and it's a good thing. He just plays hard all the time. And that energy really translates down. It always really has, but now that he's more prominent on the team, he's more comfortable. He is more vocal. And I think you see him keying other guys because he doesn't let anything bug him. Like, he'll, I mean, he'll, 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 complain, he'll, he'll complain to officials every once in a while. Like everybody does, but he also busts behind get back. Like he'll run and run and run and run. And He's the only guy of that core group that plays and has that personality the way he does. Like you've seen him talk to. It's not this is overrated sometimes, but he's a pretty jovial guy. Like he has a good personality. Yeah, he's, a, and he's a
1: very charismatic, you know, yeah, individual. It's why he doesn't get technical fouls when he's complaining because he's he's smiling.
0: But he he's smiling about it half the time, and like he's, he's yeah, his energy's there. He's not he's it's not complaining in a in like a and whiny so why, way.
1: And that and that's why and that's why you know I don't. I mean, even though, again, like, I still don't understand the point of the piece about <laughs> him calling Trey out in the film session, but I did find it important that he did call him out, right? Like, that, hey, anybody can get it on this team. And that's uh, the way it should be. I mean. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, and, that, and I'm like, and also, like, I mean, these guys take their cues from him. They do. Like, they, they get up – like, they play better when John is playing, when John's getting his numbers. In. Like, when John's going, like, they just play with a different level type of energy um, just because they – because, like, they all know what he's doing for the betterment of the team. Like, he is sacrificing his numbers. Like, that's, that's without question. And even though – I do think they're going to regress. Like, I do think his scoring totals are probably going to regress up just, uh, just due to the nature of the season. But like, like they, they know, they know what's going the deal is with this team and they know how good he is. And so like, I, it sucks that he's probably not going to go to the all-star game again. You know, he's playing even better. Yeah.
0: Like, he's, he's, I mean, he's not, I mean, I, I think it would, it's not impossible. I mean, but...
1: sneakily Trey young might not either. So that's, that's funny. Yeah,
0: um, I think that it's not. He's not a lock. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for later on. But I think Trey is gonna go. But it's not the hundred percent
1: lock. If you look at the way that nah, this is going, nah, I need, I need Trey Young. Not, I need no Hulk player to go the stupid All Star because you'll so lose gonna, your
0: because you'll lose your mind if that happens. No, I'll,
1: I'll, no, well, no, I don't. No, no, <laughs> I don't care about the All Star game. No one uh, should this year. It's and it's, I, it's I don't, I don't actually care if you get the All Star award. You know, get get to make the all-star team or not I think it's more important that, that you play at an all-star level I think
0: the Hawks are gonna end up chosen. with th- uh might end up with three all-stars because they're gonna pick the teams and then guys are gonna opt out yeah and, and because the Hawks live here they'll be like oh Clint capella you're down the yeah, street come that's... on come down come on down, come down and play John come play that's uh, probably
1: likely I'm just guessing uh,
0: but that might happen um all right we, we have some more to talk about I'm gonna take a break for a second to hear from our sponsors on the podcast and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, and many more sports are in full swing. But there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, baseball is on the way in the near future and all kinds of additional angles to handicap, including awards, TV shows, and reality TV. In fact, there are dozens of real-time updated props on almost anything you can imagine, and Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds, including future bets, if you want to look way ahead. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action and visit the website or use a mobile device to sign up today. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at BuiltBar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case. But also, the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic, and they continue to be so. But now, there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like Caramel Brownie, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, and and of course, my personal favorite, and Cookies and Cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low-calorie, high-protein, low-sugar, and high-fiber and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need and again a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, builtbar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's builtbar.com right now and use the promo code locked on when you get there. When you visit builtbar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is builtbar.com, promo code locked on for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at builtbar.com and try Built Bar today. All right, Tyler. Collins, Capella, we talked about those guys. I need to get your thoughts on Hunter real quick in part one because you referenced it. You and I have talked plenty offline and even some on Twitter and all that stuff. But since you came on the podcast last, Hunter had like a full-fledged breakout, essentially. He was playing incredibly well. Uh, His numbers are incredibly impressive. Um, You know, you mentioned him as a most approved player candidate, all that stuff. Right now he's injured. We don't know as of this recording... What the status is, but I want to ask you both about what Hunter has done, and also how the Hawks navigate stuff without Hunter because they've just he, obviously he just missed this whole week for the most part. He's a huge part of their team, which is uh, goes without saying at this point. But uh, what have you seen from him, and how do they do this if he's going to be out for any length of time?
1: Well, he's really taking advantage now uh, compared to last year, of when like, both like he. Collins and Gallinari have been really good at punishing smaller defenders. And a big reason why he's he's been so prolific in the mid-range is that, you know, if you're being guarded by somebody who can't contest your shot, it's basically a practice shot. Like, his handle has improved to the point that he can get to his spots now. Um, And, you know, I said this, said it on Twitter uh, the last couple times he played, but this is the player... I thought the Hawks were drafting and who Travis Slank, you know, traded so much up to get, um, you know, a strong physical wing on both ends of the floor who can get to his spots and was, you know, he was a really good, he was a great shooter in college. And so yep. it's good to see, it's good to see that part of his game translate now to the NBA Um where now you can see his plus athleticism um because he's playing with, strength now and that allows him to get to his spots and then finish over guys through guys and so it's been it's been really great to see they really they can't go an extended length of time without him um on both ends because they I mean you see it like a big reason why Trey was surprised by the traps is that you know teams couldn't trap the Hawks when they had Hunter um because if he if DeAndre Hunter got the ball somewhere, he was gonna get an easy layup, you know, if if he got it had an advantage situation. But now that he's gone, you know, it's been Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter who've been the primary two guys who've been benefiting off of that. And they just they're just not as good getting to the rim as Hunter has shown. And so they really they need they need that part they need that part in particular back uh, offensively so ho- hopefully we hear some good news um, later today but you know like who knows like I, it was a it's a weird injury that yeah. they reported it sounded it, I don't know what it means at, exactly but uh, you know if you if you have to have some type of procedure on your knee. It's not a good thing. It's never, so. it's
0: never good to have even a non-surgical procedure on your knee. That's that's for sure. And you know, missing him, part of this, and we can get into Reddish if you want to. Part of the part of the loss of Hunter is just not having Hunter. But part of it is not having anybody that can do what he does behind him. I know Reddish is their best approximation, especially defensively. Um, and Cam has been struggling offensively, to put it lightly, this season. Um, and just the fact that, like you said, Hunter get, Hunter's been so assertive. That's something that I've been trying to get across is that. He's using his frame like he's so strong. That guy is jacked and people don't really understand. He's enormous um, for a small forward in the NBA. He's a very big man. Um, and the fact that he's moving. So oh, and well,
1: let's and let's be clear here. He is a small forward. He is not a powerful. I don't know where. Yeah, no. They, well, I mean, I know where but like, <laughs> he is clearly yeah. a small forward. I think um. I think this year has put
0: that put the notion to bed of him ever being a full time four. Um, I, I like that. You know, I'm someone who thinks he can play the four, and I think there are units where that actually makes some sense, and having someone his size really helps you if you want to go super small. But he is a he's a three, uh, primarily and, and nothing else. And the shooting helps that, too. the quickness helps that, and I think defensively you've seen him kind of figuring it out a little bit. He's not making plays like Reddish does necessarily, but he's making more of them, and he's just been better. On both ends i mean that's not breaking ground to say but uh i i, I hesitate to uh ask you this but h- how good how good is he and how good he's, is he gonna be obviously he's a little bit older but i know you were worried at times last year i know you're not worried anymore necessarily because it's been really good but is, is this gonna continue like is he gonna be he may, he may not shoot this well but is he gonna be this good moving forward
1: well um i mean as long as he's taking good sh- like I think the bigger thing is, like, he's taking good shots, right? Like, he doesn't, he's not, that's the difference between him and Cam Reddish at the moment. Cam Reddish has to force stuff. Whereas DeAndre, like, the game is coming to him, and he's really doing a great job of playing off of Trey Young, off the help that Trey Young generates. And so, like, as long as he continues to play uh, um, like this, like, he's going to be fine. Um, uh, Again, he's going to make the the trade that the Hawks made worth it, right? You're not gonna hear people, you know, when you get a two-way wing this good on both ends of the floor, nobody cares what you gave up to get him.
0: That's exactly um, that's exactly right. That's, as as someone who criticized the trade heavily, even while liking Hunter, no one is going to care if he look, plays listen, this way.
1: Like no Travis one cares. Lang, Travis Lang, when it comes to uh value and that part of the general managing job process, he's pretty bad at it process, process yeah pretty bad like including not signing John Collins to an extension uh cuz it's going to cost them a lot more money now um like they had a they i think like you you're saying that if they if they got up to what eight digits they would have had to had done or I mean, whatever. That, that, that's a guess.
0: Is. I mean, that, that's an educated guess. But I think if they had gone to 100, he probably would. He probably would have signed it. That's my yeah, guess. Yeah,
1: I mean, but like to not do that. Now you're going to have to pay 130 plus. You might have to do five years if you don't want to deal with another team giving him the full max because another team's going to give him the full max now. Like they see what he can do on defense.
0: Well, he also might he also might get one of those punishing contracts that Frasier get, where it's like a three plus one with a trade kicker and all this weird stuff.
1: Do you want that now? Do you want that on your books, or do you want to just, you know, have more years, same amount of dollars, but less of a headache if you eventually might want to trade them? So, I mean, I think he did a poor job on that one. I think uh, the Doncic Trey Young trade, he did a bad job of. Extracting value from Dallas, considering
0: I actually, know. I actually will step in and defend Travis on this one. Uh, obviously, the trade has gotten so much discussion. I think if you look at just the value, like forget the players, which is hard to do. I understand. He got he got the he got the tenth pick in the next draft to move down two spots. That's pretty good value, like in a vacuum. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably his right. best value trade, honestly. If you if you forget all the names involved, he got a pretty good return
1: in a vacuum. Bro, in a vacuum, but. Here, here's why, here's why the Hawks get criticized for the trade. Well, because everybody <laughs> knew Doncic was going to be incredible. Uh, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's probably Especially true. Especially the Mavericks who have, <laughs> who w- really wanted Doncic, you know, I, I just don't think Travis got enough, like regardless of the players, like the play, it ended up working out because again, Travis is a great, what, what he's great as is general manager. Uh, talent talent, talent, evaluation. talent evaluation yeah right uh he's just killed it uh, the backbone of this team currently are all guys he's drafted uh flat out because none of his free agent signings or uh, except you know and except for the capella trade uh which is probably his best he, his he, best
0: he also player. has not missed on a missed on a single pick in the top 20 Nope. Um, the only time the only misses that he has are his, uh, the one late first rounder, which was Spellman, and then the second round picks. He's bad at that so far. But all the picks that were high leverage or even medium leverage picks, like the night nine, number nineteen, you know, you can talk about the evaluation of Trey, but they still nailed the pick itself. The trade is something else, but the pick itself, Trey was the best player available at five by a wide margin. Um, all that stuff. So I, I'm with you. There's a, there's a mixed bag there, but like you said, talent evaluation has never been the issue and they've built the team around trey in an effective manner and honestly we're only a year plus out now but hunter and reddish always made sense in terms of what they were trying to do and if hunter plays the way that he is playing right now like they paid like it's but it's possible to both give up too much and no one care and this is what that's where they are now like they they got fleeced in the trade in terms of the actual value proposition but the player working out
1: is all that really matters at the end of the day. So Yeah, and the and the Pelicans have done a pretty poor job of the assets. Oh, that they yeah, were they they messed um, up
0: pretty badly in that draft, I think, which is it is separate. People always want to say, well, you know, the Hawks traded Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker. And it's like, well, no, they traded the picks. Like the Hawks were not going to take those two guys. Um, but regardless, yeah, the Pelicans messed up, which actually helps the perception of it even more.
1: It helps the perception <laughs> of the trade. Right? Yes. And like I mean, the Dallas side, I just want to I just want to get on this one because like, they really could have got more. That I think that's my only thing, considering now that the Knicks might get an unprotected lottery pick uh, in this draft.
0: Yeah, that that, uh, that trade looks like a, a separate, a separately bad issue for the Porzingis
1: trade. The Porzingis yes. trade where they just gave away two unprotected first uh, for a guy that didn't want to be in New York anymore. And then they, on top of that, they gave him a contract extension. Uh, the max. That – yeah, oh yeah, the full Max. But you know, he's he's European, uh <laughs> let's say, and so like it's fine. Whereas oh. <laughs> Whereas, you know, John Collins does not you can't give somebody like John Collins to Max. Like you his name's John Collins, Brad. Like what what the hell? Like, uh, come on now.
0: I'm I'm with you all the way. I, I get um, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to we least talk about Hunter for a second because Hunter is No, but like so
1: the, I mean the they get back to Hunter like the overall point is that, you know, that's why Travis Sling has a job and he makes the amount of money he makes. Like, he's a man who believes in his talent evaluation over all else. Like, he believes in the his, the players that he drafts over anything else. And like, he hasn't missed yet. Uh, and like, I mean, Hunter Hunter raises the the actual ceiling of what this team can actually be, right?
0: Well, that that's gets sort of in my in my that's, question that's because the bigger, that's the
1: biggest thing. That's the biggest thing, like to this yeah. season, like regardless of the record, with Hunter being this good already, and like he can get better, he can get better than this. Um, like this is a this is different. You know, now now you can you can actually believe this team can win a title with this, with the I want it like people said core five. It's a core four, right? It's it's Trey Young. John Collins, Clint Capella, and DeAndre Hunter. Like, that's the core of this team. And that's – I mean, that's four really good basketball players. Um, Yeah. And, like, let's see what they can do in these next couple years if, you know, they, you know, re-sign Collins, which I expect they will at the end of the day just because how important he is to the team and just what all that he provides. Yeah. you know, let's see what they can do with this uh, core four guys for the next couple of years and where they can go. Because I think, I mean, the Eastern Conference is there for the taking. Uh, you know, the Bucks are getting worse every year because Brooke Lopez is getting older. And so, like, and the Nets, you know, while wow, I I think they're incredible and they're the best team in the East, you know, they're def- like the Hawks have a particular <laughs> matchup advantage against them.
0: Yeah, Brooklyn's defense uh, is uh is an issue to Yeah, sure. but
1: just particularly with in Atlanta when they play each other, like Brooklyn cannot stop. Uh they just have a hard time taking event like they have no matchup for Collins, right? Like that's that's the bigger one. Collins and Capella just run roughshod on the team and like uh you know they also have to hide Kyrie Irving on somebody and they they tried to hide him on DeAndre Hunter and like that was getting them made up because that would have worked Hunter. that, that would have worked last year and yeah not, not not would not, worked not now, anymore. Now, that now that can't work you got to play Ky, Kyrie Irving on Trey Young while on the other end the Hawks can hide Trey Young on like Joe Harris like that's a that's a win right that's a win for the Hawks that they can do that while the Nets can't um, and so, you know, I'm sure the Nets would rather not have to play the Hawks. Like, I, I feel that in my bones. Like if, if they, if they were to meet in the playoffs, like that, that feels like a chance for an upset. Um, but you know, and that's in large part because of what DeAndre Hunter's improvement to his game. Yeah. where now like, you have to put like size defenders on them. If you put somebody smaller or a bad defender on them, he's going to eat them up. And he's going to eat them up consistently,
0: and be and, and, be, and be aggressive in doing. It. That's that's the thing that yeah, I've yeah, been yes. impressed also by be is be that he's so moves. much more assertive now, and that's not a shock. Like guys come into their own, and he's not the biggest personality, but like you can tell now he's got confidence that he didn't have. I mean, he's
1: yelling, getting
0: texts. Yeah. he's he's coming to the
1: coach, and they all love Who that too. By the way, is.
0: all the all the coaching staff, all the players were like laughing and loving the fact that he got technical foul, which is hilarious. But and getting
1: true. hurt on dunks too, like yeah,
0: that's when he got injured. Jesus. I mean, they, they've they, they've admitted that now. That was the the injury happened on a dunk, which is uh, unfortunate. But yeah, we'll talk about Hunter more obviously. But I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on that. I and mean, I think it's probably good to now to go to part two. Um, we're going to talk about some of the East. Maybe I'll ask you about Rondo because that's going to happen in a minute. Maybe some maybe some more Lloyd Pierce talk. But uh, follow Tyler on Twitter at Jonesy2x4.
1: Yep, Jonesy2x4 on Twitter. He, he, he might
0: let you follow him. He's locked. He's, he's a locked account, but he might let you follow him eventually um, if, you, if you ask nicely. And uh, he'll be back again tomorrow on the podcast. So we'll have much more with Tyler. We're actually going to keep recording just as a behind-the-scenes look. But stay tuned, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. And join us again for part two later on.